This is Archive Atlanta, episode 241, Trees. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. So this week I am sharing a conversation I had with Eli Dickerson about trees. We talked about what kind of trees are in Georgia and Atlanta, the oldest, the biggest, the historic, along with a really amazing kind of history connection story. Um, If it's not evident between us talking, I love this topic. It's so fascinating to me. I've been talking about trees to other people for weeks, um, and he and I had had this conversation over coffee many times until finally sitting down to record it. So in anything I do, especially in this podcast, it's about hoping that somebody can look at something a little differently. These conversations with Eli have made me look at landscape differently, at trees, at plants, um, and I hope that that does the same for you. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy. So if I things I always forgot to do, though, is let my guests introduce themselves. So I'm Eli Dickerson. I uh, am a self-professed tree hugger, been in Atlanta since 2005, and have been in the environmental education world for 20 years and um, got really interested in trees probably around 2007, 2008. I've worked as an environmental educator, volunteer manager. I managed Fernbank Forest, the old growth forest in Druid Hills here in Atlanta for uh, about eight years. And I'm currently the um, director of education at Park Pride. And we like work together, quote unquote, on Park Pride stuff. Right. But every time I talk to you, I'm like, we have got to talk about trees. Yes. And so I'm very, very excited because my recent revelation is I am, so I love love nature. I mean, I like to trail run, et cetera, but I don't notice it the way someone like you does. Right. But especially, and again, talking to Anne a lot about land memory and the stuff she does, I'm starting to realize that like we always bitch about Atlanta not having old things. But it might be that trees and our kind of landscape is what we have. And so I'm so excited to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited too, (laughs) definitely. And we have some general kind of outline, but we're going to wing it. So um, I think I really wanted to know what did Atlanta, and I just wrote XX years ago. Right. How far back can you tell us about the landscape that we're standing on? Good question. And I think there's... There's some knowns to this, and there's definitely some unknowns. And uh, full disclosure, I am not a dendrologist. (laughs) I am not technically a botanist. Uh, I'm not trained as a botanist. I uh, have a biology degree and a degree in nonprofit management, master's in nonprofit management. Most of what I know about trees is from my passion of being out in the woods and talking with other tree huggers and doing my own research. So I know enough to be dangerous and connect Look, I, people to people, um, but still. We're not holding you to it. And, but I, I always joke, like, I'm also an amateur, but sometimes I have learned that it's us. It's the people right. with the just enough knowledge and the hyper passion that are right. doing a lot better. I, I know enough to uh, understand that I'm going to be corrected sometimes and need to go back and do some more research, and that's fine. I'm with you. <laughs> so what did Atlanta look like uh, a few hundred or, say, a thousand years ago? I mean, I think there's there's definitely some records of folks that traveled through the area like uh, William Bartram, John Muir. Unfortunately, it's only pretty much detailed records from white, white men. men. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that does give us some insight into what the land was like. I do think people tend to think of this sort of um, 
perfect scene with uh, trees crowded in, solid everywhere, from peak to valley, river to river, just solid forests everywhere. I don't know that it was necessarily that type of landscape. And in fact, there's there's some research now, um, some folks are, are really starting to show that there's probably a lot more prairies around in the southeast than really? we first thought. Uh, which is really intriguing to me. So the prairie ecosystem would have large trees spread out very far with native grasses and wildflowers in between. And we know that was kind of the scene in the coastal plain with longleaf pines, which was uh, the dominant tree species in the southeast. But Atlanta is in the Piedmont, a little bit outside yeah. of the longleaf pine territory. Is that what gives us our elevation? Yeah, so we're, uh, we're above um, the fall line. So where the ocean used to come to tens of thousands I don't know, millennia. a long time ago, let's say that. <laughs> uh, so we're above that. Yeah, we sit anywhere from, you know, 750 to 1,050 feet here. Um, so the terrain is, you know, Piedmont literally means foot of the mountains. Um, but what did it look like? I mean, yeah, there was forests here. There were certainly probably more forests than today, more old forests, diverse forests. It looked a lot different, but the land was managed. So there were, there were native people that lived here um, in this particular area, Muscogee, um, Cherokee, not far from here. And they absolutely managed the land with fire, for sure. We know that. Um, Which is like controlled burns. Controlled burns, yeah. Probably managing for wildlife, probably managing for food, um, different things like that. But um, it was a way of life. I mean, that, and there was also natural fires that happened. So lightning strikes. Mm -hmm especially further south in the coastal plain and in the mountains on the ridgetops and the dry ridgetops there was definitely lightning strike fires that happened and that you know led to some natural forest management so what did it look like yeah i think it was very forested but looking at even some of the pictures you've posted through your social media what it looked like in atlanta a hundred years ago or 150 years ago i really don't think it was solid forest, forest. So then if we fast forward to the Muscogee have been removed, the Cherokee are gone, it's, you know, mm -hmm. it's 1835 or whatever, Atlanta's just got started. You're saying it wasn't some kind of dense forested area. The way right. Yeah, it was kind of, I think it was patchy. And what we're left with now are a lot of remnants, especially when you're talking inside the perimeter here in town Atlanta. So there's little slices of forest that are arguably old growth, although there's no you know, agreed upon definition really of what old growth is. But there are slices of forest that have very old trees, 100, 200, even probably 300-ish years old, but they're fragmented. Mm. And a lot of those were protected because maybe they weren't farmed because, it, because of the topography. I think that's a big part of the reason yeah. why Fernbank Forest, a large part of that was not um, cut down was because it's very steep terrain there. It wasn't the easiest, best place to farm. Eventually it got into the hands of folks that cared about the forest more, but there was a series of landowners who I doubt were really quote unquote tree huggers. Yeah. They just used it for hunting ground or recreation or whatever. So we're left with these little slivers and there's actually an old growth forest network nationwide and they, they, they had the audacious goal of nominating an old growth, quote unquote, old growth forest in every county, in every state in the nation. Tell them for, <laughs> for the non-tree people, what is old growth? What does that mean? Or how do they define it? So you ask 10 people, you'll definitely uh, get 10 yeah. different answers. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling that. So I would define old growth in our region 
you know, the oldest trees are three to 500 years old. Naturally, that's how old they get. In where we are in, in Georgia. In the Piedmont, in the Piedmont region, region. Okay. right? You go further south in the coastal plain, you've got uh, bald cypress trees that can literally live thousands of years, things like that. We might have some um, cedars, like I often wonder if the cedar trees on like Stone Mountain, some of those kind of hidden scraggly small trees, they could be 800 years old maybe. They weren't probably desirable for timber. Um, in this area, old growth would be mature forest, so generally hardwood trees, so deciduous trees that drop their leaves, a lot of diversity, a lot of different species, not just plants, not just trees, wildflowers, mushrooms, animal diversity, salamander diversity. You have to look at kind of all those things, but definitely some trees that are in excess of, I'd say, 150 years old. I would call that probably old growth around here. Okay. And yeah. th so there's more than just Fernbank Forest, you're saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh. for sure. And and that was, um, you know, I my love of the Piedmont Forest began as an environmental educator um, working at Fernbank. And I just completely fell in love with the forest. And from there, kind of jumped off to other areas and, and researching um, and just kind of like nosing around different forests around Atlanta. And what I came to realize is that while Fernbank is very special, there are certainly other forests that are very special as well. Oh, but they're just not, they don't have the same press, right. and land ownership, conservation, etc. Right, right. Oh, I don't know if we talk about them now or later. Yeah, very yeah. intrigued. <laughs> I, I do, uh, just sticking with it, I want to talk about the native trees because you said there mm -hmm. are 268 trees that are native to Georgia. Yeah, that's... Um, the and, state. And that's a stat that it probably has a little bit of wiggle room, yeah, but yeah, I mean. <laughs> it, we're talking between 250 and 300 trees native to Georgia. Okay, and 60 of these are native to Atlanta's area. Correct, yeah. And this is... This was fascinating to me because you wrote, compared to there are only 80 native trees in all of Germany yeah. or 50 in the UK. Right. So it is it is a large number, 268 in the state of Georgia is wild. Yeah. So when we then are talking about oldest trees. Yes. You know, you taught me this and I've been telling everybody for the last three weeks that I've known it. Mm -hmm. The oldest doesn't mean the largest. Right. Which I think me and any other non-tree person thought, thought oldest trees in georgia are what kinds so generally? i i looked this up this okay. week just to see what is on record okay. uh, there's this really cool super nerdy thing alert here the international tree ring database so people that core trees dendro um, dendrochronologists and i i happen to know a few humble brag alert <laughs> They will actually count the rings and measure the distance between the rings and line them up with um, years in history to, to look at things like climate change and um, see when there were forests like fire events and things oh. in history, right? So you got to think if a tree is a thousand or two thousand years it's old, seen some stuff. there's two thousand years of data in that tree, right? So long story short, there's a database where you can put this online. Other scientists can look at it. So I went in typed in Georgia, not a lot of data, but actually somebody that I know, uh, Neil Peterson, who he's cored a few trees in South Georgia, bald cypress trees that are a thousand to 1200 years old. Wow. So those are the oldest that I know of. Yeah. So what about in Atlanta? In Atlanta, um, 
that's tricky. I do. Because <laughs> you haven't cored every tree. Right? There's millions of trees, right? And they all have information in them. But the last thing we want to do is go around cutting down trees or even coring trees, though it really doesn't do um, lasting harm to the trees. But still, that's you know, not yeah. a professional way. This is, you're really supposed to core for, um, for research projects. So not a lot of trees have been cored here. Well, uh, a, a way to get some information about these trees is, you know, when I'm driving around or biking or even running around town, if I see a tree that has been cut, maybe the top was blown out in a storm and, and it's been cut and there's a nice clean stump, I will stop and count the rings. My wife, my daughter can tell you, we do this a lot. And I will jot down the data, you know, what, what species is it, what are the, how many rings, how many annual rings that it have. Most of our trees reliably produce one ring per year, so you can count that. And I started a spreadsheet that has this data. Now, the sad thing about this spreadsheet is all of those trees are dead, yeah, right? Yeah, okay. But, uh, except with the exception of a few that have been cored that are still living. But on that list, the oldest tree that I've found there's a white oak that was cored in Deep Dean Park, which was part of the original you know, 400 acre yes. Fern Bank Forest. Yeah. It is now an accessible park um, just off of Ponce, uh, kind of in the Southeast Druid Hills area. So in Deep Dean Park, there's a very large oak, easy to find on the main path there that dated back to the 1760s, I believe. No. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So I did a research project with um, Matt Wien from Kennesaw State, and that was one of the trees that we cored in 2011. Wow. Um, so Is it marked? Does it have like a plaque or it something? It does. <laughs> it does. So the Olmstead Linear Park Alliance does a great job of stewarding that green space, um, and I'm good friends with the director. And I, I've provided them, you know, anytime I find something exceptional like this, I like to let the landowners know, like, hey, these, this is bragging yeah. rights. This is really cool. So they have signage in their park, including a sign okay. on that tree that okay. says pre-revolutionary okay. war. I know. I was going to say, <laughs> now I want to go there to see the tree. And always, yeah. And I tell people, please don't put this tree is 200 years old because next year it's going to be 201. You're going to need a new sign. <laughs> oh, my God. So do you, in your data, that's the oldest tree in Atlanta. That tree um, is the oldest oak, I believe. There's there's one other oak in East Lake that I was alerted to. Um, is this the one that was cut down? Yes. Oh. This was, so this sad, sad story, very small lot, um, not far from where I live. I'm in Kirkwood. So this was um, kind of a little bungalow that, that they had expanded the house. Um, no, no effects on the trees um, due to expanding the house, but they wanted to expand the driveway they wanted to or like repave the driveway or something so this is a border tree literally on the border between their driveway and the the adjacent lot they cut it down it was only maybe 18 inches diameter Thanks. and i went and i counted it once counted it again and got within one or two years of the same number and i don't remember it, it was in the high 200s oh close to gosh. 300 years old so older than atlanta yeah, I mean, and, and not a big tree. Not a big tree, older than Atlanta. But then, even then, if you want to even go to East Lake's history, you know, it just before it was even this, you know, country area. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's where I think I've, my brain has 
just switched to this in the last couple of months and I want everyone's brain to switch, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, which is, oh, this is Eastlake and it was developed in this year and blah, 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 blah. But then not even thinking that there could be a tree there that has, oh, right. no, no, I've, I've been here. I've, I've been seeing There's things. There's absolutely <laughs> remnant trees. And though I've been studying this and been on the ground looking at these trees for 15 plus years now, I still find it hard to tell, you know, is that an older tree? Is it big and old? Yeah. Or is it big and young? Because we, so <laughs> I, there's a section here that says myth busting. Yes. Because we talked about this, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about it also, but the trees, uh, the champion tree list that yeah. Trees Atlanta has, which I also always talk about because it's so cool, but that people will kind of write in, you know, and say, hey, I have a giant tree in my yard. You should come measure it. Yes. And you're always like, oh, I hate to break it to you. Right. <laughs> It, it depends. Yeah. And it kind of depends on the mood I'm in. Sometimes I just want to write back and like, is it your tree? Really? I think this tree is living on its own. It's not really yours, but yeah. I'm, so this is so funny because I feel the same way about house history. Yeah. Sometimes people write me and they, they think they know. And sometimes I'm in a mood and yeah. I'm like, let me tell you, actually your house yeah. was built, you know, 30 years later and right, it was right. a boarding house, you know, cause everyone's like, this was built by the grand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, again, sometimes I'm nice about it. Sometimes I'm like, don't come at me like yeah. you know exactly. There's hand hewn timbers <laughs> that have 800 growth rings. <laughs> and it's like, actually, they're from Home Depot. But <laughs> yeah, like, sorry to. Yeah. Sorry. So, so let's do myth busting because yes. I love this. So, like, size versus age, fast versus slow growing. Okay. So, this is, this is my biggest pet peeve in the tree world. And I feel like. Why, why is this hard for people to get? I think because people want to think like, oh, I, I, I have a thousand year old tree. I have a 500 year old tree. They, and also people want to protect things, right? And I don't want to discourage people from protecting things, but I think it's disingenuous to say this tree is 800 years old just because you want to protect it when there's no evidence yes, for that, right? I agree. And then it, that kind of takes away from the trees that really are hundreds of years old, right? And certainly there's there's reasons to respect and admire trees of any age. But the biggest the, the biggest factor of growth with trees is sunlight. Mm. Absolutely sunlight. Access to sunlight. Tree in full sun versus a tree growing in a dense forest is going to grow exponentially faster. And this is why you can have a 200-something-year-old tiny little twiggy tree at the bottom of, let's say, Fernbank Forest, right? Mm-hmm. Because it has a denser canopy. Actually, I'm glad you said that. So um, there was a, a tree that came down in Fernbank Forest, a beech tree, American beech tree, smooth gray bark. They're the trees that, unfortunately, a lot of people like to carve in years ago. So this tree was 1.7 inches in diameter. So skinnier than your wrist. And I saw that the top had kind of been snapped. And I said, you know, I bet that tree's a lot older than I think. I'm gonna cut a little sample, sand it down. I'm gonna use it in in teaching and and tree tours. So I thought maybe 20 years old. This one was 55 years old. Okay. But I had to use a hand lens to count the rings. Oh, because it was 1.7 inches in diameter. Yeah. Oh. In diameter. And I'm counting the rings on the radius, so you you half that, right? So I'm counting the rings on something about the width of your thumb. There's 55 annual growth rings. Now, why was that? Is Fernbank Forest inhospitable for trees? Is there um, like no, uh, not enough nutrients in the soil? No, of course not. It's a perfect place. The soil's great, 
that tree was sitting in the understory waiting for a chance to emerge. So that's that's just a strategy. It was barely growing at all because oh. what does it need to grow? It needs sunlight. There's not a lot of sunlight. So it was just like leaves. hanging in there, being like, one day. It I'm was gonna... literally just hanging in there under 150 foot trees. Okay, so then putting it out there that just you know, if you have a big tree in your backyard, mm-hmm. not saying it couldn't be old, but that doesn't always mean that. Yes. I love this. So back to I want to go back to biggest trees because we talked about sorry oldest trees oldest we did oldest which was um per your data any other like we've talked about two of them but any other so yes and thank you for bringing me back to that my favorite species which is hard to say it's like (laughs) your favorite child yeah my favorite well that's easy because i have one kid but favorite tree species uh Liriodendron tulipifera. So some people would call them tulip poplars. Some people would call them poplars. I generally call them tulip trees. They're not tulips, of course. They're not poplars. They're actually in the magnolia family. I digress. They are the trees that get taller than any tree in Atlanta. I have discovered three individual tulip trees that are in excess of 160 feet. No other species gets that tall. Oh, okay. So we're talking 16-story building height. Wow. Right? Where are they? Um, one's on Emory's campus in kind of a hidden forest. Um, one I discovered at Fernbank and it's very hidden and you wouldn't, cause I mean, when you're in a sea of 155 foot tall trees and there's 162 foot tall yeah, and you're, you're looking not. from the ground, you know, it's, we're talking a couple feet in difference, but 160 seems to be that threshold. Um, the third is Northwest Atlanta, it's off of Northside Drive, adjacent to Bobby Jones Golf Course. There is a little sliver of old growth forest next to a creek. That's where you find a lot of these forests, right? Because the creek was probably the boundary area. You can't develop right up next to it. You can't develop next to it. They probably didn't farm all the way up to it. So that's where you find, and also it's steep, right? A lot of our topography is really steep going down to the creek. So that's where I like to look for, for big big trees um, and lots of diversity and older patches. So there is a, a tree there um, that's actually a champion tree and one of the tallest. So, wow. But tulip trees, back to tulip trees, um, they get up to, in Atlanta, we have cored them and dated them up to about 310 years old. Yeah. So there are some still standing that yes. are 300 years old. For sure, uh, for sure in Fernbank Forest. Yeah. Absolutely. And I have my suspicions about some other areas, but there hasn't been any research to core those trees. So, But I kind of like the mystery. I right? kind of like this too, because then it makes you look out for them. Right. Now, this is oldest, and we just happen to be talking about oldest and biggest, but yeah. there is an entire list of largest trees in Atlanta. Yes, yes. That doesn't always mean they're old. But they're big, and we and generally mm-hmm. big trees are called champion trees, right? Yeah, it's Across. so the champion tree. It, it's a point system oh. that was developed by a national organization called American Forests. They originated, I think they started in 1938 or so, which was actually around the same time that um, Fernbank Incorporated as oh, a yeah, nonprofit yeah. as well. Coincidentally, uh, so this point system involves the circumference of a tree in inches the height of a tree in feet and the crown spread so how far on average it is from tip to tip on the branches but just to be weird they only do that by a quarter of a foot 
So <laughs> trees get one point for every inch in circumference. Is it like a math equation? It is. That is exactly okay, what it so is. Okay, so it's like just you put in this data and so it pops out your score? That's what happens. My uh, spreadsheet, literally, I have the inputs, but for the, the, the tally, the number of big tree points, I have a formula in the spreadsheet. Uh, so I don't do the math. I just plug in the inputs okay, and then okay. boom, it pops it out. Okay. So one point for every inch in circumference. So again, you need to, you know, you be, gotta be a hardy if tree. you're, yeah, if you're 200 inches around, that's 200 points you get one point for every foot in height. So you're kind of getting, it, it's more weighted towards girth of a trunk than the height of a tree, okay. the system. And then you get a few points for crown spread. So if the average, if it spreads out, uh, say a hundred feet, which would be pretty big for a tree in Georgia, then you get 25 points for that. Learning about that, mm -hmm. what is the largest tree in Atlanta? So the largest tree in terms of this point system, and I think it's the only tree over 400 points, which again doesn't mean anything unless you compare it to other trees, but the largest tree is a cherry bark oak at Our Lady of Perpetual Help. And this tree, I mean, you couldn't get more like smack in the middle of the city. I yeah, mean, there, it's on prior, not... like right by downtown. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So. Um, I actually, this week, I, I, I went online and looked at some of the aerial, um, black and white aerial photographs from 1949, and I tried to find that tree. Now, this tree is 23 feet around. That's huge. Um, the crown spread is over 125 feet, so it reaches out. It doesn't have a lot of competition, so it really spreads out really far, and it starts branching very low. It almost looks like a live oak, like you're in Savannah or Charleston or something. So this tree, it's enormous. Um, it's on the, the campus of Our Lady of Perpetual Health. It's in Hill. their um, courtyard. It's in the courtyard. So You um, have to go in. If you want to visit, you go to the front desk. And be very nice. And there's a very, um, the, the two times I've been there, there's a very uh, nice nun who works there. And they are very excited about their tree. They have celebrations under the tree. This is a home for um, terminally ill cancer patients. Yes. This tree is a place where they celebrate life and bring friends and they care very much about the tree and they hire professionals to take care of this tree. Aww. So um, even I think before knowing it was a champion, they really respected it. And I think so, because that tree is how old? It's also an old tree, right? So that is a mystery, right? Oh. And it became even more of a mystery when I looked at these aerial maps from 1949. Oh. So that's 50, 74, 74 years ago, uh -huh. right? This is the biggest tree in Atlanta. Like it was there 74 years ago. And I think I found it. But not in the way you think it's going to be, you're saying, on that aerial. Right. It's oh. not. It, it looks like it was a mature tree, but I think it's grown a lot. Now, there's a couple <clears> things that can happen. Much like when, when you research history and you, you tell about the history of a house, you might be telling, you're telling about a point in time, yes. right? That's not the full history of that house or what happened there. So same with the tree. Um, just because it's open grown now, meaning it has no competition, it has full sun and they can just lay on wood like gangbusters, that doesn't mean it was always open grown. It could have been in a forested area. I kind of suspect that was what happened with this tree. After that tree, what are like the next two biggest ones? There's definitely a couple of oaks in the 20 foot circumference range. And there is a tulip tree that I found in Druid Hills. I was commuting on foot. I was run commuting and I, I decided to cut through Druid Hills on a street I'd probably never been on, certainly not on foot or on bike. And I saw a tree on a steep slope that looked pretty big, but you know, a lot of times you probably find this with old buildings and things like that. You really got to stop 
and yes. explore, right? Yes. You might get a little inkling of something yes. as you're going by. So I stopped and I kind of made my way down the slope a little bit. And I said, wow, this, this tree is enormous. Like this trunk is a lot bigger than I thought. Um, I thought maybe 14, 15 feet around, which is a big tulip tree. Came back with my measuring tape, 20 feet, six inches, 20 feet, six inches around, which puts it on par with champion tree at the state level. Wow. Now, when you're talking about a tree as common as a tulip tree, and to say this is the largest in the city, one of the largest in the state, that's a significant thing, okay. right? Because, I mean, Fernbank Forest, for example, 20% of the trees are tulip trees. Okay. There's 64 species. One in five is a tulip. They're everywhere, right? So if you're a champion of a really common species, I think that makes it even more unique. I see what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Okay. So was this was it actually put on the list? Like so, it was put on the list, oh. and I have to do some creeping and investigating because you know I like to find the landowner and try to get you yeah, know permission. Yeah, that was my next question. Yes, yeah. Because people are weird about it sometimes. You know, they're they're very cautious. Does this mean I can never cut down this tree? And I always say, well, I hope you don't. <laughs> but it's not really providing much legal protection but you know this is a cool thing and you know if you ever try to sell your house you can say look there's a largest tulip tree in Atlanta here you know so most people get excited about it every once in a while people are like who are you you're weird don't talk to yeah, me yeah. don't what? don't put don't who's put me this? on any list <laughs> who's this dude with a tape measure in my backyard <laughs> yes um, I've only been threatened uh, to be shot once measuring trees um, and to be fair, I had crossed unknowingly into someone's backyard. Where was this? This was in, of all places, it was actually like Druid Hills. <laughs> you know what? Though? That is exactly where I thought it was. <laughs> There's like an old plantation off of um, uh, North Decatur Road near Claremont. And then the railroad line goes through there. There's a historical marker there. Yes. I don't remember. Something to do with the Civil War, yes. I think. But there's still like an old, like a long dirt gravel road. So I had permission from a landowner to come measure some trees, but you know, trees don't, don't care about property boundaries. So, so this guy was on the other side and you were like, hey. this woman was on the other side. No! Oh my God. She came out of her house and said, who are you? What are you doing? So, uh, I tried to, you know, play it cool. Like, Oh, did you know, like, this is one of the biggest trees. And she said, I'm from LA. We shoot people for stuff oh like this. Oh my God. And then, so here's how I followed it up. I said, oh really? My wife's from Los Angeles. What part? <laughs> there, there was no smiling to disarm, be had. Disarm, yep. disarm. Yeah. So I got too many stories I'm telling oh, you about trees. So we talked about oldest trees. Yes. We talked about biggest slash tallest, mm -hmm. but one of my favorites, historical trees. Yes. And so we have a couple stories because you talk, we're going to talk about some that people know, but mm -hmm. then I really want to talk about the carved tree story because mm -hmm. I think this really ties it into like people too. So, yes. Yeah. So, okay. Historical trees. What do you have for us? Okay. So a tree that is, is much more well-known now, more well-known than it was when I was doing a deep dive into trees 15, 20 years ago is um, the magnolia that is immediately adjacent to the Beltline Eastside Trail. It's behind Home Depot, uh, behind Whole Foods area. Uh, it's a magnolia tree. There's actually two there. It's known as the Crackers Magnolia because the, the Atlanta Crackers baseball stadium was there. Um, really interesting area. It's near um, uh, Clear Creek is channelized underground there and flows north. And actually that will connect to our later story on the carving. Oh, 
I didn't same. know there was a creek under there. Yeah, oh. it, and if you look at these old maps of Atlanta, you'll see that's a very low it is, yes. area. So Clear Creek, which originates in Inman Park, Little Springs, Springvale. That yes, area. Yeah. yes. So then it flows north. So there are these two trees, and I had to look this up just to make sure I had, had the facts straight. But the name of the field was Spiller Field. It's where the Atlanta Crackers played. And the original field from, I think, late 1890s until the 1920s was where the, you know these trees were in the outfield. And part of the rules were if anyone hit a baseball into the trees, it was still in play. Oh. <laughs> and there's a story of um, Babe Ruth. I, heard, I think I heard that story, right? He was the, he was one of only two men that ever got right. that ball out to that tree. And I think it was 500 feet from home plate. It was like, oh, it was out there, right? Wow. But it was in the field. It was literally in the field. And then I've seen pictures where these two trees are clearly not in the field. They're beyond. Well, found out the stadium burned down in the 1920s, was rebuilt, and then um, someone wanted to uh, actually remove the trees. And apparently people said, no, you're not. So the compromise was bring the outfield wall in 50 feet. That is so interesting. Yeah. So there's two magnolias. There's, I really, there's two. Why do we only talk about one? I don't. I guess because that one's a little bigger. Oh, and that a little, is. So but there's two, and you can see them in these old black and white pictures, and you can go see them from the east side you, trail. And you can see them from the trail. I mm-hmm. think what happens with magnolias for me, they're that they're such a big kind of bushy tree that mm-hmm. when you're on the trail, it doesn't always stick out. I think because I've pointed it out to people, and they're like, oh yeah. oh yeah. But there's a plaque, I think, also down there if you're down there. There is. But also, it's behind the you home. Would never so you would never go back there. It's That's, just a bunch of loading docks, yeah. and it's a steep slope from from the Beltline, so you're not going to scramble exactly. down you there. You can't scramble down yeah. there, and you'd have to be behind the Whole Foods, which, again, I would never want to go back there. So, But that's a good point. It's, it's a tree that, think about all it's seen. Yeah. When the Beltline was a railroad, the, the Crackers games, mm-hmm. ponds, like, and now it's seeing this different Atlanta. Yeah. So and I it's a big tree, like but is. most people would not say... This tree is particularly old. It looks like a regular magnolia. I mean, no yeah. offense to magnolias. It's just you're like, eh, yeah. whatever. They might you know? say, oh, my grandma's got a magnolia that size at her house. Like, what's so special about it? Well, it stayed. And some of these other magnolias are yeah. probably old too. Do you have another historic tree, or you want to talk about the carved tree? Let's yeah. Since we're since we mentioned the connection with Clear, yeah. Clear Creek, let's talk about the carved tree because this story is great too. Okay. Which is also you just exploring, right? Just me. <laughs> Okay, literally what I would do, I'll give a little bit of backstory, not too much because then I'll get sentimental. And um, So my wife was very sick about 17 years ago um, and had some surgeries and we had to stay at Piedmont Hospital and this is before we had a child and uh, a way for me to, to kind of get some peace and um, decrease my stress was to go out and walk around and find parks close by, which there was... Um, uh, on Collier Drive, there's Louise G. Howard Park, Tanyard Creek Park, some magnificent trees, really cool stuff. And then I was also working at Fernbank and got interested in big trees, uh, found this champion tree list through Trees Atlanta, reached out and said, hey, uh, there's some there's some nice trees on here, but they're really not that big for the species. Again, trying to like be polite about it. And um, Greg, the, the director, um, who's a good friend of mine, he said... Oh, cool. Well, um, why don't you manage this program then? <laughs> Since you are so interested in it, why don't you volunteer and take over this program? Because it was just kind of just sitting there. Not much was happening with it. 
So um, I would literally go on the computer, look at, at Google Maps or Google Earth, find a green spot, and if I could overlay the topography data, if there's a green blip on the map... With a with a ravine type thing, yeah. you were running to it. <laughs> Especially if it was like north facing, like a cove forest, like you have in Fernbank Forest and places like that. If it's north facing, it's kind of protected, it's more shaded, oh. just like the north side of a trees where the moss grows, the north side of a, a mountain is more protected. Yeah. And sometimes I would go and find like nothing or just like, <laughs> you know, a junkyard or, you know, oh, this isn't a park. This is an industrial park. Yeah, yeah, Why yeah. is this green yeah. on Google Maps? <laughs> um, but then sometimes I would find trees like this beech tree I want to tell you about. So um, in Brookwood Hills, Brookwood Hills neighborhood, which is um, adjacent to uh, Piedmont Hospital, south end of Buckhead, uh, they have a nature preserve, Clear Creek Nature Preserve, that the uh, the, the community club owns, okay. right? And I think it was a railroad property that was deeded to them, probably sold for pennies on the dollar, or maybe they just gave it to them, some sort of arrangement. But it's a large piece of property, 60-ish acres. It's along Clear Creek, and I didn't know anything about it. I just saw it on the map, started poking around, didn't even know it was private property, you know. I start poking around quickly realize there's some magnificent trees here, some champion trees, and it's a, a floodplain forest, so different species than, um, some different species than places like Fernbank that are higher elevation. So I, I brave uh, Clear Creek, you know, I, I boulder hop across Clear Creek, which can get pretty large, and on the east side of the creek, I find this beech tree rooted very close to the creek that's got carvings on it. So nothing unique, really, that a beech tree has carvings, lots of them do, but it only had a few carvings and these were old. And here's the thing about carvings or any anything, any kind of trauma that happens to a tree, it doesn't grow up vertically as a tree gets older, right? If you nail something to a tree in a hundred years, it's not gonna be- Oh, it's just gonna get wider. Right, oh. right. So the carvings get stretched out and what was probably carved with a knife can be an inch, two inches, three inches wide and stretched out. I see what you're saying. The canvas has just been stretched, oh. right? So sometimes it gets so stretched out that you can't read it anymore. You don't know what it says. Uh, well, this particular carving had a first name. I think it had a middle initial. A full first name. Full first name. <laughs> Harold A. Dye, D-Y-E. Okay. And then it had a date that I think said 1932. And then I, I believe it had um, maybe a heart and then a, a woman's name that I couldn't, I don't remember exactly, but it, it was just super intriguing. I was like, I've got enough information here to do some research. End up finding the blog of Harold Dye's son, Harold Dye at that time. Um, so this was probably 2010, 2011 when I discovered this tree, this carving, uh, contacted his son. I said, is there any chance <laughs> This could be your dad. And I knew he was the son of Harold Dye because he had a blog about his dad who was a war hero in World War II. And I think this guy was a little suspicious. You know, like, I don't really know what's going on, but I said, hey, can we meet up? Um, can we just meet up at lunch one day and just like chat and meet, talk, you know, over some coffee, whatever. I'm, I'm curious about this. So I remember the day Harold's son and you know brings his father in his father has a cane he, he brings in his, harold he brings the, harold the he's in his 90s but i remember very distinctly um harold just kind of looking at me and saying 
I don't really know what's so interesting about this. I mean, I'm happy to meet you, but um, I don't really know. And I said, well, did you, is it possible that you carved this tree in 1932? And, you know, I'm showing him on the map where it is and everything. And he said, well, that would have been before the war and I would have been a, a teenager. And I used to fox hunt in those woods, he said, because it was connected all the way to some of the other existing neighborhoods. And he said, yeah. and." And I, and I mentioned the, the woman's name who was carved on the tree, too. And he said, well, yeah, I think that was my girlfriend. And I'm like, you carved this tree in 1932. This is 2011. And, like, I'm connected. And he's still looking at me like, I don't get it. Yeah, I yeah. I don't see what and you're... <laughs> you're... I mean, I think that's the greatest story ever. It's, and he's just like, yeah, whatever. He's like, okay. Oh, my gosh. And now, so... I hadn't revisited that story or, or Harold Dye or his son's blog or anything since then. Um, and then when we talked about doing this episode, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up. And, you know, Harold has since passed. Aww. I mean, he was in his 90s when I met him. He lived to be 98. Aww. And I found there's uh, PBS interviews with him. He was among the first people to liberate a concentration camp in Germany. No named Buchenwald. So I'm like, what does Buchenwald mean? You know, I'm going down this rabbit hole. Like, again, starting from square one, I know nothing about war history at all. Buchenwald Beach no, Forest. No, no, no. <laughs> beach Forest. No. And the story is this was an old growth beach forest that was cut down to put in a concentration camp. But it retained the name because that area was called Buchenwald. What? Right. Oh, my God. And that's how I'm connected to this person through a beach tree. It's just like, oh my God, I, I mean, I'm I like, have chills like, right now. I like, know. I'm like quiet dancing in my chair. Yeah. See, I love this because it shows that we can all connect through the thing that we enjoy. And it's all a way for us to, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm getting all, but it's like, we're all, you know, yeah. one people, whatever. It's like, we can all find our ways and there are things that we enjoy to like yeah. come together and look at you. Like you learned this I mean, little piece of World War II history yeah. through the thing you loved and this man that you happened to find from this. Right. Like, and and oh. also as I'm going further down this rabbit hole, I, I, I find out that there was one mature tree not a beach but one oak that was left in place and it was a um it was a, a tree that was very special to the people that were forced to live there wow. in this camp wow. and there are a couple of survivors that wrote memoirs talking about how they used to sit under this oak tree and you know dream wow. and it, it, and it was just and in fact i found out that that tree came down during the war and was memorialized the stump was cast in concrete you can go visit the stump no. of this tree at buchenwald oh my God. and apparently for at during the war the tree was seen as a, a sign of strength by both sides right um it was the the the, the nazi encampment you know they they believed that this was a sign of their strength and vigor but to the people there it symbolized their kind of strength. It was, of, yeah, wow. yeah. And so it's a memorial now. This to me is this like magical ending to this episode because it's like, you know, it's like information, 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 mm -hmm. magical connections. Yes, right, yes. You know? So, but is saying that though, is there like a glaring thing that we must talk about something? 
I, you know, one thing I would say is a lot of people will say, well, well, how do you know these are the biggest trees in Atlanta? How do you know they're the biggest trees in Georgia? Because I'm involved with these lists at the city, state, and national level. And I say, well, I don't. I, I rely on neighbors and people telling me. A lot of times the, the, the biggest tree might be hiding in someone's backyard, and I don't know. It's, I think it's important. Get the word out. I think there, there are lots more trees like that have these stories connected yeah. to them that are the largest, that are the tallest, yeah. whatever. They are all around, you know? Yeah. And, we and have you're this, one person, but I'm even if person. there was a team of 10 people, like it, right. it has to come from everybody kind of exploring at least their own space first, I imagine, yeah. right? Trees don't have to be the biggest, the oldest, the tallest, the most rare to, to be, to be cool worthy of protection or <laughs> to be cool or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's just something that I kind of got hooked on that was a relatively healthy habit. <laughs> Addiction, maybe. I, I always joke. It's like, if you are, you know, we're all probably doing something like too much, but it's yeah. like, at least it's not drugs or alcohol. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you, Eli, so much. This was great. This is awesome. I know. Yeah. I yeah. So there you have it. The story of Atlantis Trees. Thank you everyone for listening. I will put link in the show notes to everything we mentioned. Hope everyone has a great weekend and I'll talk to you next week.